Ladies and gentlemen, good morning. Welcome to episode number five of Digital Fix. I am your host, Matt Barber, coming to you live from the glorious studios of Local 209 here in Crown Point, Indiana. On today's episode, I had Marisa Moon of My Longevity Kitchen and marisamoon.com in the studio to talk about everything from primal health diets and coaching, how she built her influence of 10,000 followers, why she hates social media, and what she does to keep her passion flowing through it. Uh, Everything from that through tacos and cheese and a really incredible conversation about using outside services to build social networks. So it's a phenomenal episode that really covered every aspect of social media. I hope you guys really enjoy it and it starts right now. So I guess the best way to kind of start is to explain what a primal health coach is. I think so. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) The Primal Health Coach Institute is the first online ancestral health school. Okay. And ancestral health is the field of study which focuses on the ways of our ancient ancestors, our Paleolithic human ancestors, as far back as you can go in human existence. And they study how the choices they've made with their diet and lifestyle that could influence human health. And how can we learn from that in the modern world? I know it sounds pretty deep, but <laughs> the, the point is we are all getting sicker and fatter at increasingly alarming rates. And no matter what advances in modern science and medicine happen, it not, nothing's working. So this field of ancestral health is booming because they understand that if we make some modifications to honor the way our bodies were designed uh, before modern influences like factory foods, for instance, chemicals in, in our food and water and the air, if we focus on things that were in our lives before that, then we can probably optimize human health today. So I pursued that after my own interest in ancestral health happened on accident. I was looking for answers of this GI distress I was dealing with. So I had sharp pains in my stomach, unexpected trip to the restroom, all kinds of embarrassing stuff that you never want to talk to anybody about. And I wanted to know why that was happening to me and what I could do about it. And I guess because of my interest with food and nutrition before, just in general, you know, trying to be a healthy young person, I thought maybe I should look to food. And that's where I found my answers. I found the paleo diet. I'm not sure if you've heard of that yep. for all of the listeners out there. <laughs> it's, you know, honoring food food choices that existed far before the agricultural revolution, the industrial revolution, before foods were really processed and and farmed in mass production. So I found answers there because when you remove a lot of modern foods from your diet, you'll often feel relief in your GI system. And that's what happened for me. It's like my, my symptoms disappeared overnight. So I became very passionate about that. And I followed a lot of leaders in that field, including Mark Sisson, who started the Primal Health Coach Institute from which I was certified. And it was like, my calling i don't know it was cool i never (laughs) saw it even coming honestly my life changed so much over the last six years um, when i started to pursue my interest in this field and i wouldn't have it any other way you know so take us through kind of we'll get we'll get into like your your influence in the instagram but i'm i'm super fascinated by this and i know a lot of people listening are going to be fascinated too take us through what's an average day of eating look like for you 
I cook a lot. Okay. I don't cook every day anymore, but that's because work keeps me busy. If I want to grow my brand and my company, I, I'm just like everybody else now. Even though I'm making my own hours, I'm still really busy. Sure. So I, I usually will eat leftovers, which are my favorite thing. <laughs> Anyone that says they don't like leftovers needs to get over it because there are people starving that would fight for your leftovers. Sure. <laughs> and it's real food, and usually the flavor is even better when you heat it up a second time. But I love stews and braised meats. Um, I always find grass-fed, organic, and local meats from local farms. If you're in the Midwest, you would love Seven Sons Farms. It's sevensons.net, I believe. But if you search Seven Sons Farms, you can just add items to your cart, like your online grocery shopping, and they will deliver or drop off at a location near you. And you know that you're getting clean animal sources. I, I do believe that meat is a privilege in the diet, and we should treat it as such by you know, allowing parts of our budget to get the best meat, the cleanest meat that we can afford. Because it's really important to source clean meat if you care about your health. It can't be denied. That's why the vegan world is booming, because people are afraid of the consequences of eating meat in your diet. But if we would all just wisen up and honor the way that animals should be raised, the diets the animals should be eating, because therefore it yields good meat for us that can be healthy, then we wouldn't have to worry about that. So I always have some kind of braised slow-cooked meats, wild seafood, and then bone broth, and tons of vegetables. There's always pre-cut lettuces for convenience, and tomatoes in my house, and avocados, lots of fresh herbs. And I just throw things together. If you have garlic, and you have olive oil, and you have grass-fed butter, and you have lemon juice or vinegar, you can make a million different things taste awesome. <laughs> People are intimidated by cooking, and I promise you can throw things together in no time if you learn some basic basic techniques for cooking, like making a homemade salad dressing or a homemade sauce. Like, you don't even have to do anything. So I see, like, when you go, go onto your Instagram, so there there is a shift in your Instagram, which we'll talk about, but when you scroll down a little bit, you start to see pictures of all these things you're talking about, all of the stews and all of the salads and everything like that. When did you kind of, when did you start using Instagram as a tool to display uh, every, your journey with the primal food system? It's kind of a funny story. <laughs> <laughs> I remember this must have been, gosh, eight years ago when I first started and having an interest at all and sharing what I'm eating or just my journey to figure out what's going on with my health. And a girlfriend of mine who was a model was talking to me about Instagram and I was like, I'm not joining Instagram. I hate social media. The last thing I want is to be on my phone telling people what's going on in my life because what do I care? And she was like, well, actually, you'd be surprised what things can come from social media if you just share your pictures of your food, for instance, you might get somebody to reach out that's interested in working with you and cool opportunities. And I was like, like what? And she, I mean, this was a long time ago, you guys. Sure. And she's like, well, I posted that I was gonna be traveling to France and the this hotel owner contacted me through Instagram and offered me a free stay in their penthouse just because I was going to France and I was a model and they want, and you know, she, she only had a few thousand followers. It's not like she was huge. 
And she's like, and we got a free room at a penthouse in France. Like, who would ever think that would happen? And I was like, you know what? Maybe you're right. Maybe she's like, you could just pick, post pictures of your food. You don't even have to post pictures of yourself. And this is how it all started. And she was <laughs> right. Like, in the beginning, I just have a few hundred followers. I get contacted by this really cool juice bar and cafe in Chicago. Um, it, did, it wasn't even open yet. It was just in its conception stage. And and the, the founder said, hey, do you know how to make paleo granola? Because I was posting all of this paleo gluten-free stuff. Yeah. And I was like, yeah, I do. I was so excited because I thought, like, I would never break it in, into that industry. And it just snowballed from there. I, we were, me and that, that founder were the only two people we knew that were drinking bulletproof coffee eight years ago or practicing intermittent fasting. And to find somebody like that, whether through business or friendship, was really what I needed at that time. So Instagram just kind of became my favorite place. That was really, I totally neglected Facebook. I could care less. And I felt like Instagram was where it's at. Now, my opinion on that has changed. My numbers have dropped, actually. I used to be over 10K, and it was growing pretty rapidly. But I started to realize that that's not where my audience is now. As a health coach, my audience is on Facebook. And to build a relationship with my potential clients as a health coach, I need back and forth interaction that I can't really get on Instagram like I can get on Facebook. I need that like trust factor to be building. I need to be able to share links more easily than Instagram will allow me. So as much as I love it, I had to decide where to put my energy and time. I don't have a social media marketing team. I'm not paying a third party anymore, which I did to grow my Instagram account. I used to, um, actually just one social media marketing company that is no longer in business, but they helped me a lot. They helped me grow my account organically just because their software would like people that I targeted um, based on my interests and hashtags. So they weren't, you know, fake commenting or doing anything a lot of third-party social media growth companies do. And it was good at that time. It grew my account exponentially because I, I was never, and I, I don't think I ever will be, the type of person that's going to sit on my social media account chasing followers. I'm not going to spend hours on social media. I just, it's not my personality. It, I really like love it, but you have to understand when you come from an ancestral health perspective, you're always looking for ways to resist the influence of modern life on your happiness and well-being. And we have to admit that social media is addicting. It takes place often of other things that we'd rather be doing or other relationships we'd rather be building. And unless that is your field of study, your field of work or business, a lot of us are doing it like me because we have to. Because you're right. a fool if you don't. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and there, I, I can reach so many people that way. There's it's, so much you just said that I want to dive into. There's like, I took like 12 different points. I'm going to try and remember all of them. I should have written them down. But uh, let's let's start with, oh, God, where do I want to start? Everything sounds great. So let's start with the paradigm shift you're in. So Because that came up first. So you were super focused on Instagram. Uh, you used uh, partially an outside company and helped build that. And we'll dig into that in a second. Um, because I think it's cool and it's something that... Uh, a lot of people don't realize that like it's it's okay to get outside help if you want to focus on something else. Um, and so we're we're in this paradigm shift because you have different audiences on Facebook than you do on Instagram, and mm -hmm. so you're starting to target them differently and starting to do things differently. Um, explore for me a little bit with that. So when did 
when did kind of that realization come and what are you actually doing on each platform to separate them and reach your different audiences? You know, the realization hit when I had absolutely zero time for all of it. Okay. I was the social media marketing manager for another business and it was all nutrition focused and very in line with everything I'm passionate about, but it was their brand, not mine. Sure. So I realized I had a finite amount of time and my brand was suffering. So at that point I decided I can't do it all, let's choose one. And through some social media marketing influencers, some reading on my own, I love listening to the Social Media Examiner podcast. Yeah. And they have such valuable Michael information. <laughs> great podcast we haven't listened to. Michael Stelzner, yeah. And that's great for someone like me that really doesn't have time to keep up with this ever-changing market. Right. So I found a lot of information there that helped me realize how different each platform is. And I said, okay, that shows me, A, I need more interaction back and forth to build strong relationships with my following. B, my followers and potential clients are probably in their 30s and over, mm -hmm. maybe in their mid-20s, but they're definitely not 18 and under like a lot of Instagrammers are. And C, I'm not focused on food blogging anymore. That was why Instagram was so perfect for me at that time. If you have something beautiful, like you're traveling, you know, you're doing yoga and food and you can take amazing pictures and videos of it, then Instagram is your spot. Yeah. Or if you love shooting videos, even if you're just, say you're a social media marketer and you wanna share tips. If you like shooting videos and doing lives and Instagram stories and all that, obviously that's your, your lane too. But I finally realized, okay, if I had to choose one, it's gonna be Facebook. And that's what happened. Now I'm not working as a social media marketing manager for anybody else, but I still see the return on Facebook more than Instagram. So the choice I made was correct. I'm just always, always second guessing myself because I like Instagram. And I think that's, that's super important for people to realize is uh, that your audience may not be in where the hip new platform is. So like Instagram right now is super popular uh, ever since they started copying everything Snapchat did and basically put Snapchat in the yeah. grave. At least I fully believe Snapchat's in the grave. Right. I know I'm gonna get crap for that. Um, they uh, Instagram has kind of focused, and you're right, it's more targeted towards a younger generation. There are a lot of other people on there, but it is targeted a very specific way as opposed to Facebook, um, where if your audience is on Facebook, don't be scared to use that platform. And it's something that we have to talk with a lot of our clients when we do social media management contracts is try to figure out like, who are you trying to talk to? And I think you, it's an interesting shift for you when you switch the perspective of your company and where you want to go in your goals and so you jump platforms like that which is brave but i think it's a, a good lesson for people that if you want to do something that if you have an idea or you realize that what you're doing isn't working it's okay to change it's more important to change and try that and try a new platform and try to target a new audience and, and try to figure out if your audience is really where you think it is rather than just stay and kind of like be drowning. Meyer, be drowning <laughs> in the wrong platform, trying to find those one or two like key influencers on that platform that might save you, but. And you have to realize you are gonna literally watch your numbers drop yeah. like I did, and that was hard. I had like 10.3K and climbing, 
and I'm watching it just drop and drop and drop. And, and that's not because people were disappointed in my feed. There are so many reasons that other accounts follow you that are not genuine. Right. And they might just be following you, hoping you follow them back. Or they might just be like, I'm following way too many people now and I'm not seeing the accounts I want, so I'm gonna unfollow a lot of people. Sure. So it happens every day, you're gonna lose followers. But if you're not actively seeking and promoting to get new followers, then that makes a big difference and I felt it. And it was hard because I, and I had to tell myself, who, who are you worried about right now regarding your numbers? Are, is it because it's hurting your ego? Yeah. That's all that that's all it was. Right. I wasn't working with affiliate brands like a lot of food bloggers do. I decided I don't want to be an influencer in that way because if you want to monetize on your blog as a food blogger, then you are, you know, sponsored. You're going to be making promoted posts, you're going to be showing other people's products and and doing a lot of work there. But that's not what I was doing. I was trying to reach people that need help with their health. So I just face the facts. I was like, this number's gonna drop and that's okay. Like nobody cares except me. <laughs> and that's that's a hard journey to take. So many people, uh, it's so easy to attach your, your self-worth and your value to your follower base. And for companies like what we do, it's easy to like build people's follower base, but it's, it's almost, it just becomes a pride thing of exactly. my, I'm over 10K and like, this is oh, great. It looks and so like, good when they put it the looks K there. so good. And like, now I can have people swipe up in the stories. Yeah, and exactly. This is awesome. I can't put a link in my stories. It's <laughs> so you used an outside, I, I want to explore this um, because I think this is important. You used an outside company to help grow your followers because you are more focused. You, you, you're you right. You have like a finite amount of time. You don't have time to sit there and do like the follow and follow strategy. Definitely not going to buy followers because God forbid. Right. Um, and so use an outside company to help grow your follower base. Uh, I think that's that's a fascinating thing. When did when did that thought come into your mind? Was it just like, was it a time thing? Or did they approach you or did you approach them? Like, I just want to explore that a little bit. I really don't even remember. Gosh, it was such a long time ago. Yeah. It was probably at least, it was probably four years ago. And this was before that was big. Right. Like, um, now they're coming after you. You can't ignore them. Right. But at the time, it it's was... It's like every post that you make or whatever, you always get like that one follower. It's like, gain 25K yeah, followers. And half the letters message. are numbers. And <laughs> <laughs> I remember searching, because I was looking, you guys, I was looking for information. This was all new to me. So sure. I was always Googling how to grow your Instagram followers, how to grow your account. I'm sure that's how I found it. Yeah. And I reached out to them to learn more about it. And I gave it a shot. It was only like a hundred bucks a month, which is really cheap for very that cheap. kind of service. Yeah, very cheap. At that time, they were cheaper than other ones and they were growing it organically. So that's why I was okay with it. I actually tried buying followers once before I knew what that meant. Right. And it was like so cheap. I don't know, it was some weird thing where you had like tokens or you could like trade them yeah. in for, I don't even remember, but <laughs> it, it seems as sleazy as it was. And so I did that for about 50 followers and then I stopped because I, I didn't understand it or think it was worth it. And that's when I started using the social media growth company who's no longer around, so it doesn't really matter. But right. I did for the other company I was managing their social media for, I we worked with Kickstagram. Mm -hmm. Kickstagram is still around and to be honest with you, nothing against them, but I don't think that their technology can keep up with Facebook's al or Instagram's algorithms and the changes that they continuously do behind this, the computer. You just can't keep up. They're, they're too smart for these softwares that I think social media growth companies, you need like a person 
managing your social media growth. Sure. That's what I think. They need to be going into followers' accounts and liking theirs and commenting on theirs for you, not a robot. Right. It, that, they can't keep up. Well, it's easy to see the robots. It's easy, yeah. like when you post something and then they're like the the comments great that come through. Yeah, they just have like <laughs> great picture, or they just like comment with like emojis or something mm -hmm. like that, and you're like, God, like you didn't even try. <laughs> like exactly. Yeah. Or like they'll say like this is amazing, and it's not something amazing. Exactly. <laughs> you're posting something sad about like your cat <laughs> passing away or something. Um, yeah, those those services. I think having like a real it's there's. There's nothing wrong with having somebody come in and help you grow your follower base because I think you're like a lot of people where you have a mission and if you wanted to spend all your time doing that, you would have spent all your time doing that, but you have a specific mission, which is to change people's lives and so, or change change their diets and to use that as a catalyst to change their lives. Um, so it's okay, it's totally, I wanna make, I wanna preface that, I wanna say it again, like it's totally okay to use outside help yes. to grow your follower base I still base would right now, influence. to be honest with you, it's just not really in my budget and I'm not positive that that's where my money should be going. Sure. But it, I, it will soon, I, I'm pretty sure if I get a few things in line that I'm working on right now, that that'll be next. Sure. So now let's let's switch gears and talk about you've you've changed. You're, you're pushing a lot on Facebook. Um, you still use your Instagram, which is mm -hmm. how I found you. Even though I've known you for a while, like that's that's what I see. I see your Instagram feed. I'm always stalking Instagram and Twitter. Um, so what's what's going on on Facebook? What are you what are you pushing nowadays? Like what are you what are you really excited about? And what do you want to try? What are you trying to tell your audience? You know, I said it before and I'll say it again, I don't like social media. <laughs> <laughs> so that means I'm in this like constant internal battle of how much time I'm going to spend on it. I'm, I'm not a very like ritualized person. So if I say I'm going to do social media every morning at this time, I'll do that for about a week. And then next week, something else will be more important to me. So I still struggle with that. My content marketing strategy is not consistent. And for everyone out there that's growing any brand, you know that that's very important. Right. right now, I'm trying to focus on my podcast. And that also leaks into Facebook because I'm sharing it on Facebook. Right. And I have a Facebook group. I think that is where I'm focusing my energy now because you want authentic relationships right not just followers or likes if nobody sees my post without an ad what is it worth so right now i'm focusing on the core group of people that are warm enough to be a potential client that will pay soon to work with me and i know who those people are because they're the ones that see my unadvertised posts and comment on them and ask me questions on, on facebook if you have a facebook group right now you know how hard it is to get engagement Yes. No matter how great your group is, if you don't already have 10,000 hardcore email subscribers that are dying to be in your Facebook group, you're going to notice the crickets. You're going to notice you're the only one talking in your group. No matter how many tactics you try that all of these influencers explain are the key to getting interaction in your Facebook group, you will notice it's quiet in there. Yeah. And it's scary. I think you, I think you, you so far are my favorite guest because I think this, uh, this, this highlights something very specific about social media is it's a grind. It's a hustle. Whether you have 100 followers or you have 50,000 followers, mm -hmm. it is hard, hard, hard work. And it takes a long, 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 long time. Mm -hmm. So, uh, I, I, you're right. So Facebook groups, when, when the algorithm 
changed when the Facebook apocalypse happened in on January 11th of, of this this past year or yeah. of this year, uh, which is rapidly coming to a close. God, it's already what month is it? September. It's already September. Um, groups became like the almighty magical thing and so everybody was rapidly making groups and now all of a sudden you find yourself in 20 different groups as a matter of fact local 209 they're not public but i think we have like 60 groups that we made we made like 60 groups just to take up a bunch of names but none you can't find any of them we have oh them all gosh. set to secret amazing um except for two uh, two or three, um, but those were like the magic answer. But now, like what you said is sometimes like you just have to post and realize you're the only one talking. Sometimes you're talking to yourself and it's a great conversation, but it's still a lonely conversation. Mm -hmm. um, and so that's that's true whether, like I said, you have 10,000 followers like yourself or if you have just five or six and you just made your first group. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm lucky that my, my Longevity Kitchen Facebook business page has set like 1,600 or something followers. And I have about 2,000 email subscribers. And then I have, you know, this group I just started that has like maybe 200 people in it. Now, when I post in my Facebook group, I get about 30 to 40 views. So that means only about 30 to 40 people are even check clicking the notification that says Marisa just posted in my group is called Traditional Foods Diet and Lifestyle. And right now that's okay because I'm figuring it out, you know? I'm not, basically, if you wanna have an authentic brand that communicates through and through with your audience, you want them to be able to recognize your brand no matter what you post. If it's a video with my face in it, if it's a picture of my food, if it's a you know, graphic that has a question on it or a meme, I want them to know this is from Marisa. And I'm still working on that. I have zero experience in any of this except the experience that came along with me just pursuing my passion for health coaching and nutrition. It, so just like most people that are starting a small business by themselves, you realize all of a sudden you have to be a great marketer and a salesperson. You have to know how to do social media. and. It's just in addition to all the other hats you're wearing. Yeah. So like you're still the salesman, you're still the accountant, the lawyer from time to time. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. It's a lot of hats for one person to wear mm -hmm. once. I think Facebook groups are going to be a great thing when Facebook figures out how to not overwhelm general Facebook people, you right. know, users with these groups. I mean, everybody probably just joined a hundred groups in the last six months of their life. And they don't even remember half the groups they even joined. And they're only getting notifications on some of them. I don't even know how that works. Right. I'm only getting notifications on some of them. I don't know why that is. And so I'm, I'm okay with figuring it out because I think users are figuring it out. Sure. And Facebook's figuring it out. <laughs> <laughs> right now, I just found out that they have a, they're testing out a membership sort of Facebook group so that the influencers, people like me, that are hosting a Facebook group can monetize through Facebook um, by having a group that's just for members with quotes that you can't see right now. But <laughs> you know, right now, say I'm giving a lot of free information about that, similar to what I would give a health coach client. Say I'm telling people what to do, like when they're feeling low energy, what to do if they have food sensitivities, how to heal their gut, how to fight stress, how to find time for cooking. I'm providing that in my free group. What if I wanna do one that's even more in depth that they're getting free question and answer Facebook Lives, that I'm coaching them through these short challenges. A lot of people were already doing that and then charging their people for that membership on their own 
you know, payment platform or their own website. Now Facebook's like, I want to make it even easier for influencers to make money by just charging people through the Facebook group. And they're testing that out right now. So that's what's going to be next. Right now you can have mentorship too in your group, which is something I just learned about. <laughs> it's constantly changing. I right. It is, it is, I, even as somebody like myself, I basically live on Facebook at this point with all of our clients and all the work we do for, for our clients and, and just for ourselves, um, it's still worth having a Facebook mentor, which is awesome because more for when stuff breaks, you have someone to immediately call who already works there. Because if you, before the mentorship program came around, if you wanted to get a hold of someone at Facebook, you had yeah. to physically go to California and knock <laughs> on the door and say, please, why did you ban me? I didn't do anything wrong. That's uh, crazy. Which is a very real thing. Um, so the I, I like Facebook's model coming up of charging for, or it's like $5 and you become like a VIP member because that was originally being done. You're right. A lot of people were doing it already through Patreon, which is an outside program, which mimicked Twitch, which was a video game service. Um, so I love Twitch. Uh, so Patreon would say like you basically have different membership tiers. You can pay five bucks a month. You can pay me 10 bucks a month. And when you do that, you get all these different packages. So it's a way for food bloggers or anyone to monetize their platforms. And Facebook said, we are leaving so much money on the table. Let's try this. And one of my favorite fitness personalities ever, uh, Jamie Alderton, just did this. And I was searching. I started searching high and low trying to find out like how can this happen? Like how can we do this? How can yeah. we deploy this for our clients who would, who would like to do the same thing? And then we realized that like it's a, it's a wall, right? now you're not able to get in but you will be soon um so it's and just I a hope really you tell cool me model. when that happens matt because i'll probably be behind. i will <laughs> i will i will probably go on facebook live to tell the world that okay. like um but we we i don't know if local 29 would ever charge for our content so just That's just a because tough thing for me too but i have to consider all my options always have to consider your options mm -hmm. and there's no there's never any shame in it because even jamie alderton like i said he's a british fitness model uh who is like ripped 24 hours a day uh, and i want to be like him so even him charging like five bucks a month, you get like all this stuff for it. And you're like, it's a cool thing and it's only five bucks, mm -hmm. but it's still like, I don't know if I would ever yeah, do that kind of thing. Little... It still feels like not, not it's not what we are. So it, as, as a company, it's not who we are. As a person, I don't know. So um, going back to your Instagram, because there was a change in your feed. Uh, so you went from taking all these ridiculously cool pictures of food to now ridiculously cool pictures of your life. And so, there was a there was a catalyst for that and was that kind of like when you just decided to strike out on your own like when you decide not to be the social media manager for this uh, other brand anymore or when did that change happen maybe i there know you still yeah there wasn't like you know a, a timeline i crossed to where all of a sudden i was you didn't just like wake myself. up one morning and be like <gasps> no more food pictures like, <laughs> or different food pictures you know i spent a lot of time learning how to take a good picture of food i actually had my wedding photographer come to my house and teach me how to take pictures of food because i realized that my pictures sucked <laughs> <laughs> and uh, instagram was growing rapidly and and incredible food photographers were just bombarding my feed and I was jealous and I wanted to offer my followers something better to look at so I'm glad I did that but I actually spent quite a bit of time when I met you I was working for Adrian from my six method and I was still not a certified health coach I was a food blogger so I was still focusing on taking pictures of recipes and leading with that and when I became a health coach I wanted to brand Marisa Moon because that is who you're going to be working with, not the food blogger from My Longevity Kitchen. And I also realized my photos of myself are the ones that get 130 likes and the ones of my food 
hardly break over 100. I don't, I'm not a girl that takes selfies. I'm not the kind of girl that wants to record herself. And I just have to remind myself over and over that those are the ones that perform. So I try, I try. It's funny that you noticed that because I didn't even notice that. (laughs) (laughs) So no, it wasn't planned. It, it, I do a lot of things because I have to, honestly, (laughs) I really do. I'm like, people want to see what's going on in my life and living a connected life like a primal health coach does is not just about the food that's on my plate, you guys. It's about the chances that I took raising chickens now. That's crazy. I never thought I would do that. I'm trying to learn how to do gardening and I suck at it. I want you to know that, so I'm posting about it. I'm hiking when I'm on vacation because I just absolutely adore it and I have no idea why I don't do that where I live now. Besides that there's not incredible mountains. And <laughs> we got the dunes. I mean, you can hike Mount Baldy a hundred times in Michigan City. <laughs> yeah, I'm not trying. And I want people to know, you know, even if my life's not this beautiful, perfect Instagram blogger life, this is what this is what it's like for me to live a healthy life. So maybe that's why. I think uh, it's every episode's kind of highlighted this fact and it keeps coming around and around. So if this is your first episode listening, then this is the first time we're going to hear this. But if you're trying to sell anything, it really does come down to just being human instead of trying to be like the car salesman with like the fake smile and uh, um, the cheesy lines. Like instead, if you post something really real, I think uh, one of the the biggest reminder I have of that is a few weeks ago, we had Whitney from Fit Mama Wit on. And she was saying the same thing of like the life isn't always going to be perfect and you need to realize that. And so if she's trying to uh, just just interact with her follower base and not even try and sell something, but just help them realize that like I'm a real person. Mm-hmm. Like there's someone behind this camera. Like it's not always perfect. And like if you're following me, you need to know that. Like so true. I'm not trying to sell you some fake program or something based on somebody who's always lived the perfect life. It's I know sometimes life sucks and I know sometimes maintaining a steady diet is hard and sometimes waking up every morning and exercising is hard or waking up every morning and making a social media post is hard. Um, so you have to realize that like it's okay to realize it's hard. That doesn't mean you don't actually have to go do it, but it's okay to realize that like, yeah, this does suck. Like sometimes it does suck. Well, there's so many of us that just won't post because we don't have something perfect enough to post. Right. It's that saying that you don't want perfect to be the enemy of the good because you will not post if you're so worried about it being perfect. So I try, that's why I'm posting a little bit more on Instagram right now. I try to just remember that people want to know what I'm up to. And even if it's not as many people as I hoped, those people matter a lot. And so my feed is kind of slower than you know I would like, but that's because if a picture is not that great or if it's just a throwaway kind of idea, it goes on my story because people are going to see it. Way more people are going to see it on my story than on my feed. And so if I don't want it to be like the poster of my brand, which I feel like my feed is, then I just post it on the story to let people know what's up. I'm just not a story person. I'm (laughs) I'm not a Snapchat person, never was for my personal life or for this. It's just, I feel like a big reality show and I'm not I don't want to invest any of my time or interest in seeing what other people are doing all day, but I realize that other people do want to see what I'm doing all day and get a peek into my life. It's weird. I I can't really relate. Yeah. 
I think uh, stories are hard for almost everyone. It seems even even the influencers that I bring in, everyone's just like, oh man, like I know I should do more stories. I, I know, know, really know so I should. It's so easy. It's so easy. It's 15 seconds. <laughs> and when you look at the views and we'll, we'll post a picture and the picture will get like 150 likes. And we're like, hey, that's good. That's really, we're happy with that. And then our story will get 600 views. And I I'm know. like, where are all you people on our exactly. profile? <laughs> um, so the the content we were talking a little off air before we came in here and we were kind of talking about uh the like the primal the primal foods like movement i'll call the movement uh is so much more than just eating it seems like it's a lifestyle thing so tell us for anyone listening more about the lifestyle portion how the food fits in the lifestyle and what your overall goal with the brand is well i was telling you that one of the biggest surprises to me when i became a health coach is that I'm almost more of a life coach than a health coach. And if you've never really like heard of what a life coach really is, it's about personal growth and development and it's about almost like therapy, you know? I feel like a therapist a lot to many of my clients and not because like, oh my God, they have issues. Not like that at all. We all have just, just constant you know, second guessing and identity crises that we go through on a regular basis and have no one to talk to about it. And we don't even realize that our own perception and ego is standing in the way of so many of the things that we want. So when I look at Marisa Moon Wellness now, marisamoon.com is where I'm focusing my brand now, I wanted to develop an online coaching program for people to have an experience that is equal to or better than having me as their private health coach. Not everyone can afford a private health coach and my time is so invested in someone when I'm their private health coach that it's not even realistic for me to grow my brand that way. And when you start learning about online marketing and email marketing and sales funnels and and you know passive income, you start to wake up to the fact that you have to create something to sell online if you want to survive in this game. And I you know over and over was contemplating how do I do that and sell something online and still say gen- genuine to who I am and what I what I want to do for people as a health coach. So that's what I'm working on now. I am creating an online health coaching program that is packed with workbooks and brainstorming exercises that will help someone break down those internal internal barriers and access the deepest point of their true self and their true identity so that they can achieve the goals that they have for their own health and wellness. And that is everything that you want in your life, including your social relationships, you know, the challenges that you want to overcome in business and in in wealth and the body type that you imagine yourself achieving one day and the relationship that you have with food and cooking all of that comes together in health coaching, and that's crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's physical health and mental health. Yeah, oh, absolutely. That's awesome. Because because we were talking about, Matt, how many people in this world can relate to the fact that you think you're going to start a diet again one day, and maybe later I'll start this diet, and I want to get in shape, or I'm going to save these pants for the time that I actually fit into them. Why are we always living with that in the rafters just like freaking hanging over our heads like 
it's a future self. Why can't it be the me that I am now? And that's what health coaches do. We sit here waiting for someone that is hoping you're going to throw in the floating device to help them when they're drowning in their symptoms or the circumstances that they're struggling with. Like I was when I had GI issues. People wait until they're so sick of feeling the way they're feeling before they ask for help. I mean, it's like money. We don't respect it until it's like we have none and we're like desperate for it. And, and nobody respects their health until they so desperately need it. And it's the same thing goes for your physique. I mean, maybe when you're like 18, you can lose weight to go on vacation, but that doesn't really work the older you get. Right. You think about it, but it doesn't actually work. You wait until you're sick or something terrible happens and you're like, can somebody help me? <laughs> exactly. We were talking uh, off air and I want to bring this story up on air is uh, back when we were at the co-working space, which is how we met co-working space in Chicago, River North. Uh, next space, shout out because they're still alive. They're only in California. There's only a couple locations left. Um, shout out to them. But uh, I used to like do all these like competitive diets. Like I'm like, I'm going to be the world's like best physique athlete. And it was so easy to lose weight. It was so, I think uh, when I was at next Base, I was like 23 or 24. And so with the amount of working out I did, which was two to four hours a day um, and carrying around, I always used to carry around like all my meals in this like bag that had a six pack on the front of it. I was like, and the gallon of water and everything. It was so easy to lose weight. And then now it's it's been seven years since then. Uh, not quite, actually. It's been, what, five years? Five years since then. Uh, so I must have been 25 because now I'm 30 and I start to realize that, like, metabolism is, like, start to slow down. And even with as much as I still work out that much and the diet and stuff, you realize it's so much harder. And uh, as an adult, like, running this business, like, we're out. Uh, we, we go to a lot of dinners. We go to a lot of meals. And so it's almost like, yeah, I'll get around to that. Like I'll always, there'll always be, there's more time in life. Uh, I'll get around to dieting again. I'll get around to that. And I'm by no means fat. I like to think I am. My wife likes to remind me I'm not, but like <laughs> I've been at like life. 220, 6'3", 220 for like the last like four years and haven't budged. And uh, I, I'm that always like- That means for four years in the back of your mind, you've been dealing with this, like, when am I going to start at it again kind of thing. Exactly. Exactly. So for four years now, it's every day, every time I go into the gym, I'm like, man, I can't wait to get back on yeah. X, X supplement, which is I may or may not be legal in the United States of America. <laughs> and I can't wait to get back on like the, the keto diet. And I can't mm -hmm. wait to cut my carbs to zero and be a complete a-hole to my wife for 16 weeks because my brain has no glycogen loads. Um, and uh, I think that's where like health coaching needs to like be interactive. Like there almost needs to be a series and there will now be probably a lot of Facebook ads targeted at me uh, just because this is going to go on the air and run through Facebook. Um, there almost needs to be like, that's where like the health coach needs to come in, I think. And almost mm -hmm. say like, don't wait. Yeah. <laughs> like, don't wait. Like there, there might be time, but like that time is finite. Like there, you only do have X amount of time on earth. Like just start now. Yeah. I just did a talk at the Strength in the City event in Chicago. And I was presenting on a new topic I've never done before. I called it the four transitions you must make to end dieting for good. And the whole purpose of that is so that we are not constantly starting a diet and ending a diet like we all do to, to maintain the, the weight or the shape or the you know energy that we, we seek. And so the process is is pretty simple but only when somebody's saying it out loud not when you're actually experiencing it i explained to the audience that i'm going to teach you what took me eight years to learn in this talk right now so that you can start 
imagining what these four transitions would be like to you so it's no longer a diet and that it's a lifestyle. And one of the single most important shifts that you have to make is to whenever you discover that diet that works for you, that keeps you in the shape that you want to be for the rest of your life, the only way that it can become a lifestyle ultimately is if that you figure out how to make your social life work regardless of the changes in your new lifestyle. And that's probably the number one thing everybody struggles with. They think I have to choose between this and that. I can't go out with my friends. I can't go to weddings. I can't have a booming business and still, you know, make my meals and stick to this. If you're, if you're keto, for instance, you know, I, I, I don't want to tell the listeners right now all of the transitions because this is actually something I'm going to launch soon as a webinar to promote my online health coaching program. Sure. Because I, w I don't want to help people find a diet that helps them lose weight. I want to help people find a lifestyle that makes them feel how they imagine feeling or how they deserve to feel for the rest of their life. Sure. I just want it to be a lifestyle. That's what it needs to be. And I think all of us listening, we have a, a very large segment of the group who uh, listens to a lot of our other podcasts like Bruisers and stuff, and they can relate that I'll, we'll hop on a diet, especially in the office. The, the keto diet is very big in the office because we'll all hop on it and we'll be like three days in and then we'll have like, we, we work with a lot of breweries. We're blessed to have a lot of breweries as, as friends and clients. And uh, they'll reach out and be like, hey, you want to come over and visit? And we're like, well, keto's out the window, boys. <laughs> like, And so we're we're done doing keto um, just because there's no way to maintain that social lifestyle uh, uh, or, or that, that social lifestyle of drinking beer, uh, which is very large in, in our world. And we're all very large craft beer drinkers um, and maintain a social lifestyle and maintain a diet that works like that. So. Uh, I think for us, the the important thing is to kind of like try and find what's in the middle. Um, mm -hmm. And we just haven't found what that is yet. Yeah. Um, but I'm feeling motivated now. So That's cool. <laughs> you know, the, the issue I have with diets that are stricter like keto is that we're usually doing them um, for superficial reasons. Like I just want to get lean and I just want to, you know, get a certain physique. And that might mean a lot to you and be at the core of all the reasons you, you make moves to be healthy. But I like to peel back the layers and, and I call it finding your deeper why. And I like to teach people that there is a reason that you want a better physique that you're not identifying. And then you might learn. I don't want to give it all away because this is some stuff. <laughs> don't that give I, it all away. I know. I mean, <laughs> you get you get kind of get what I'm saying. The public. Yeah. yeah, like another one of the transitions is about connecting in a deeper place to where your new diet is is not a diet because it's almost like bigger than you. It's like almost spiritual. Like I eat primally because I believe that that is the the way my body was designed to eat. I don't think you believe that keto is the way your body is designed oh, to eat. Oh, God, no. I it's know. rough. It's horrible. Anyone who's exactly. doing a keto diet, Josh is in the corner and can attest. Uh, it's, it sucks. No one should live like that. Yeah, well, there are people that suffer from seizures or different neurological disorders that they have to eat keto sure. because that's the way their body now was designed to eat because they're, they're ill. And those are the people that can make keto a lifestyle. But for those of us that are doing it for surface reasons, you know, there it, there's a, a deeper place that we can go, and that's what a great health coach will help you do.
I'm I'm so pumped up right now. It's ridiculous. <laughs> like I always get so fired up from these. Like after the uh, the very first episode, which was uh, Jay from McFly's, I was like, I'm gonna get my hair cut today. Like I can't wait. And then Whitney was on, and I'm like, I'm gonna go jog six miles. Like this is this is great. That's I think cool. last week uh, or a couple weeks ago, Dave Feynman from Smugglers was on. I was like, I'm gonna go drink like 20 gallons of coffee now because he makes the most amazing barrel aged coffee. Um, so now uh, I, this is another life changing thing. I'm always so pumped up after I do these podcasts. Um, so we're going to transition now. We're going to start like phasing out of the podcast. Uh, but we have rapid fire questions. Um, I normally try and do 10 and they're never rapid fire. So I don't know why I keep calling it that. But uh, 10 of the most random questions you have ever heard in your life. And oh, the first thing that comes to your mind is helps people get to know you a little bit and get, get excited about you. So um, what, la, 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 what is your going to bed routine? That's a real question. Well, I have a set bedtime. Okay. You'll learn Same. on my podcast, The Foundation of Wellness, that that was a major turning point in my health and my life. I had to honor my circadian rhythm, which is your natural biological clock, and grow up, Marisa. <laughs> I needed a <laughs> bedtime and awake time, even though I didn't have an office to be at in the morning or no one was expecting me at work. I, I needed to give my body that or I was going to continue suffering with low energy. So I have to dim the lights. I have. I actually wear orange blue light blocking glasses. They're like orange glasses or amber glasses to block TV, LED screens, uh, bright lights so that my melatonin can start kicking in, which helps you get sleepy. Okay. And that is without a doubt the, the same thing I do every night. I cannot eat within three hours of going to sleep. A, a, a full meal. I can have snacks, but I can't be full like that close to my bedtime or I'll be waking up all night long and I have to dim the lights limit technology I cannot use my cell phone within about 30 minutes of going to sleep which a lot of people think is crazy but I learned it the hard way I learned it the hard way I'm I'm fascinated so my wife had me download this like sleep tracking app yes what's it called uh it is one second grab my phone sleep cycle I hope maybe what is this this one is called yeah sleep cycle Mm -hmm. Uh, Sleep Cycle is an amazing, amazing free app. I think there's a paid version of it, but uh, taught me a lot about myself. I love Sleep Cycle, and I still use it regardless. Sleep Cycle, for all the listeners out there, helps you track certain influences on your sleep. Like, say I want to see if a full stomach interrupts my sleep. I can actually create um, something to select when I go to sleep that says full stomach. And I could check that box when I set my alarm in the sleep cycle app. And then over time, it will tell me if every time I check that box, my sleep was interrupted or affected negatively or positively. So it's great for that, but I actually still use it now, years and years later after using it for tracking, I use it because it wakes you up in the lightest stage of your sleep, and it wakes me up to birds chirping. I don't know if you have (laughs) yours set to that, but it's my favorite. Uh, I don't have a bird chirping. I I don't remember what mine is. It's like a very like spring awakening kind of thing. Yeah, cool. So it's like you know, it's like slowly building and building and building. I've always gotten up like super early, and so it still doesn't. I've still like I'm always yeah. You're up before. Sometimes like I'll start waking up and then I'll hear it, and so I'm like, okay, now I know like it's time. It happens to me every time. Because that means you're honoring your circadian rhythm, your biological clock is doing the work, and that's what everyone should strive for. 100% told you these were not rapid fire. Uh, (laughs) I love that app, though, and learned that I wake up a lot in the middle of the night. I think I wake up like four or five times. I'll go from like deep sleep to wide awake in like one second. That's awesome. I'm so jealous. Oh, I wake up so much. Uh, What is your favorite memento from your life? 
Is a memento like a memory, like a physical? A uh, physical, that, physical item from your life. I'm not a, really attached to things like that. Is my dog count? No. Um, you can call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my planner? I don't know. I don't, I, I don't relate right, we'll to that. We'll skip this one. We'll skip this one. I don't one. relate to that. Uh, what's the? What's your favorite place you've ever visited? You were just in Hawaii, Hawaii. right? Yeah, I go every year. I want to move there. I'm just in love with Hawaii. It's it's like another. It is another culture. Feels like you're in another country, but you're in the U.S. and it's the most incredible scenery and um, the people there just have a really good respect for the land and connection to something bigger than themselves that's not religion and i love it <laughs> <laughs> well uh alan so founder of this business went to hawaii for like i've never been but he went i think for his honeymoon i think for his honeymoon and uh he said like his pictures from it are like ridiculous and they're so beautiful and i keep looking i'm like if i could get my wife on a plane for however long it takes yeah, to go over it's there it's really far. i would be pumped <laughs> uh what is what's one of your guilty pleasures Chorizo tacos. I can dig that. <laughs> we went to Josh. What taco place were we at yesterday? They had chorizo tacos. Uh, Los Los, Los, tacos. Los tacos. It's a new I one. It's just like right down the street. love chorizo tacos, so I will be sure to go there. They have chorizo Maybe tacos. Maybe right after this. Oh, they are. It is. It's like right up Main Street uh, on the left hand side. If you're heading north, it is awesome. If you could live one place in the world, where would it be? Is that probably Hawaii. Yeah. Nice. <laughs> I read the question as I started reading the question. I was like, why am I asking this? Uh, let me see. What food do you crave most often? Probably dark chocolate or cheese. Artisanal hard cheeses that have character. <laughs> are those, Are those? so I know a lot of people are going to be asking those, where does cheese fit in the primal food diet? Well, for all the listeners out there, I went through a time where I was dairy free because a lot of times when you're sensitive to gluten, like I am, you are also sensitive to the protein in dairy called casein. Now, although I'm not lactose intolerant, for a while my body was reacting to casein, which is the protein in dairy, because it mimics gluten. Um, when you're in certain stages of healing, it's kind of complicated, but you, you have to get rid of both. and. I slowly brought dairy back into my life. I, I almost exclusively only have raw and organic dairy and pasture-raised, grass-fed, all of that. And if I can, my cheeses are sheep's and goat's milk cheeses, not cow's milk because those proteins are different. But regardless, I, I now have healed my GI tract and I can handle it. So it's not a regular staple in my diet, but that's what I, I crave and I eat it. I buy artisanal cheeses all the time. The harder a cheese is, the more aged it is, the less lactose and casein that's in it. And cheese is a cultured food. So, you know, the bacteria that helps to create that turn milk into cheese is something that makes it more digestible and better for your system than like a glass of milk, for instance. So yogurt that's from grass-fed cows and organic and full fat and plain with no sweetener and artisanal cheeses are a staple in our refrigerator. In my house, my husband and I are not lactose intolerant. I am no longer casein intolerant. And it's a part of a healthy diet. A lot of vitamins we can only get from pasture-raised dairy. And that's why, for me, it, it completes my, my health coach diet. <laughs> that's a great, great answer. 
uh the casing protein so in in the world of bodybuilding casein is like held on a very high platform like everyone loves casein because it's a very slow burning protein so all the bodybuilders out there will right before they go to bed chug a casein protein shake which is thick it is a thick thick protein and it will take like eight hours to burn and all you have to do is wake up with an aggressive stomachache every single day i don't know if i would recommend (laughs) that just so everybody knows oh man (laughs) It's a pretty rough protein on the it human is, body. It is. God, it is so rough. It's super <laughs> tasty, though. But it is like, I can't explain. It's like concrete mixer thick. Like, and not the best tasting not thing in the world. Not uh, recommended. <laughs> <laughs> not recommended. Um, let me see. Do, do, do. What would you fill a pinata all about you with? All about me with? If you were to get a pinata and fill it with items, what would be inside? It would be... So when these little kids are swinging at it with sticks and it breaks open, they're like, hey, that's Marisa's. Oh, it would probably be... Oh, my God, why can't I think of anything? All that keeps coming into mind is, like, little pieces of broccoli and chopsticks for some reason. Broccoli broccoli (laughs) and chopsticks. That's not my answer. That is not my answer. (laughs) You just said to say what comes into my head. That's it. Marisa's pinatas, broccoli and chopsticks. I, I don't... I never even thought of... I can't even... Meant to be random. I can't. That's too hard. <laughs> <laughs> Would you win an episode of Cash Cab? You ever seen Would Cash I Cab? ever win it? Yeah. You good at trivia? No. No? Same here. See, can't I you tell I'm terrible at this right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's your favorite thing to happen to you this year? This will be the last question. My favorite thing to happen to me this year is that I started my podcast, honestly. I nice. really, really love doing that, and I absolutely love my co-host, the only reason I didn't start a podcast before is because I didn't have a co-host. And I knew if I did it myself, I wouldn't ritualize it. Like I was talking to you, I'm really bad at that consistency. And by having any sort of accountability like a partner, it happens. And that's how I found my consistency. And I just love it. I think the consistency for us is we always plan guests out like six to 12 weeks in advance. Yes. And so that way we're like, we have no choice. But don't get me wrong, like podcasting, once you start, is so much fun. Mm-hmm. Like I truly, truly love this and I'm sad I didn't start it earlier. Me too. Um, but you do need, there is certain consistency, ah, consistencies because the week just creeps up on you mm-hmm. where you're like, oh, it's Tuesday. Oh, I got to get to work. <laughs> yeah, We got someone coming in. So um, we are going to end it there. Um, any last notes, anything you want to leave the people with and where can they find you? Yeah, I'm really excited, you guys, that now my my website is marisamoon.com and Marisa is spelled like Marissa with one S. And mylongevitykitchen.com is still a fun place to visit because you'll see really my food philosophy and a lot of awesome recipes. And on Instagram, I'm mylongevitykitchen. On Facebook, same thing. You can also find the Foundation of Wellness podcast on Facebook. And I'm on the Aura app, which I never mentioned, but that's A-U-R-A. And you can listen to short three-minute life coaching sessions from me. My channel on the Aura app is called The Wild Within, helping you to connect to your inner human that I feel like a lot of us lose in the modern world. That's the primal health coach talking. (laughs) And yeah, just be sure to connect with me and listen to my podcast because you really understand a lot more about my philosophy. Awesome. And you can find us very simply at Local 219 across all of the platforms. That's L-O-C-A-L 219 on Facebook and Instagram. On my beloved Twitter, where you will find me, is Local underscore 219. And then me personally, I'm at Matt, M-A-T-B-A-R-B-U-R on Instagram and always Thursday 1 on Twitter. And then just Matt Barber on Facebook. 
Um, we are going to end it there, folks. Marisa, thank you so much for coming on. This has been one of my favorite episodes ever. I, and it's one of our longer episodes ever. Um, thank you guys for listening. I appreciate having you. And we will talk to you next week where we have a Driver's Gallery out of Valpo coming on. So we're going to switch uh, switch gears a little bit. Uh, it's a pun. But and we'll be talking with those guys. I am excited for you guys to hear that episode. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. Bye.